0: Last Friday, the Michigan Public Service Commission dropped some top-drawer news. The commission approved a permit for part of the Canadian company Enbridge Energy's plan to rebuild its petroleum pipeline, which is known as Line 5 under the Straits of Mackinac. The company intends to enclose the pipeline in a tunnel. It's not the final step of approval for what Enbridge has in mind, but it is an important step. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the impact of this decision, and how people concerned about the environmental impacts are responding to the news. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. For years, opponents of Line 5 have been advocating to shut the pipeline down. This underwater line crosses four miles, and an oil spill under the Straits of Mackinac would be devastating. Many also cite climate change as a reason to move away from fossil fuels. Instead, Michigan and Enbridge struck a deal in 2018 to replace the pipe and construct a tunnel.
1: At the time, Enbridge was estimating that this would be a $500 million project that would conclude in 2024. Things have not been so simple since then. That's Kelly House, environment reporter with Bridge Michigan,
0: and our guest today.
1: The delay for the company has largely been that they've been waiting on uh, a series of permits, both state and federal, that they need to start construction. So Friday's decision is a big hurdle cleared for them. It gives them one key permit. They're still waiting a couple of federal permits that are not expected to come through for another couple of years until at least early 2026, and of course, the feds could deny the permit. So construction is you know, not going to break ground tomorrow, but Enbridge has taken a big step forward here. I want to talk some more about the rest
0: of the process. But before we do, there, I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who don't pay necessarily terribly close attention to this kind of infrastructure operation. Can you remind us exactly what kind of petroleum products move through Line 5 and which direction they're going?
1: So the pipeline is coming from Wisconsin through Michigan to Canada, with some product offloaded on the way in Michigan, but most of it ends up in Canada. It's uh, natural gas liquids and light crude. Uh, So it's petroleum products, essentially, traveling 645 miles. The mile that is really the source of the controversy in Michigan is this four-mile stretch of the pipeline That crosses the Straits of Mackinac, essentially in the open water, Um, and that stretch has been hit by ships' anchors a couple of times. It's been dented, and people are fearful that if something goes wrong, you know, this seventy-year-old pipeline could rupture in the Straits and cause a calamity. Enbridge would counter that they have really ramped up their oversight of this section. It's under twenty-four-hour surveillance, and that there isn't much of a risk at this point. Can you bring us up to speed on when and how this decision was announced? Yes. So the Michigan Public Service Commission has been deliberating on this for more than three years. And that's a three-person body that regulates all sorts of utilities in Michigan. And essentially, they were deciding whether not whether the tunnel can be built, but whether Enbridge can move the existing pipeline into the proposed tunnel if it's built. And they went back and forth. There was just a lot of deliberation about how thorough the commission should even be in its review. Should it consider climate impacts from line five? Should it only be considering whether or not the tunnel can be safe? Uh, That took years in and of itself. And ultimately on Friday, commissioners said, But they reviewed multiple other options and concluded that building the tunnel was the safest option for the straits, that every other option they considered uh, would would not be viable. And that their goal at the end of the day is to get the existing risk under control, that risk being the pipes that are currently in the open water. Right. The risk of a spill
0: now, just as things stand at this point in 2023. Uh, Kelly, you know that this was a two to zero vote. Uh, There was one commissioner who abstained. Uh, I wanted to ask about that. But also, just on the face of it, two people deciding this, I guess this is the way that uh, the Public Service Commission has always made decisions. And it's not as if they don't have a staff or a process. But just on the face of it, it doesn't feel so much like a group decision. Can you tell us a little more about who abstained and why?
1: Yeah, so that was Commissioner Alessandra Carrion, who joined the PSC very recently. So she said, I don't feel qualified to make a decision because most of this deliberating has been going on well before her tenure. Uh, So that was her reason. The other two commissioners, Dan Scripps and Catherine Peretic, have been along for the ride for most, if not all, of uh, the deliberations And yeah, it is a small, you know, it's a couple of people who are making this decision at the end of the day. They were acting on advice of public service commission staff who recommended approving the pipeline. But oftentimes the public service commission will, these sorts of cases will be before an administrative law judge. In this case, uh, the commission itself decided that it would review the docket and make a decision, which is somewhat unusual in a case like this.
0: Yeah. The Bay Mills Indian community has been pretty deeply involved in resisting the new project. You had a chance to talk to tribal reps about what they thought of this. Can you share a little bit about what was said?
1: Yeah. Essentially, they said they are extremely disappointed and their tribal attorney told me it's not over. She stopped short of saying that a legal challenge is going to be mounted, but said the tribe is consulting with its attorneys to decide how to respond. Um, every federally recognized tribe in Michigan has passed some sort of a resolution opposing the pipeline and tribes say that for them, it's a matter of treaty rights. In addition to the environmental concerns that are shared by, you know, environmental groups across the state, various tribes in Michigan have treaty protected rights to fish in the great lakes and the tribes argue the tunnel, you know, the the pipeline itself violates their treaty rights. They were not consulted when it was constructed, which a, a process today would look much different. And that their treaty rights can't be protected if there is a threat of a catastrophe that could, you know, wipe out fish populations in the Great Lakes. Um, they also raise safety concerns about the tunnel itself um, and say that they are not confident that it can be built without potentially you know causing other harm to the straits and there are some cultural resources in play too some tribal representatives say they've discovered ancient artifacts on the on the floor of the straits that they worry the sort of vibrations caused by tunnel construction could harm and they also say that issue hasn't been resolved
0: we need to take a break. When we come back, environmental threats and what a potential appeal to and Bridges' plan could look like. Support for Stateside on Michigan Public comes from Michigan Engineering. Its Mobility at Michigan team is committed to reimagining transportation for a future that is safe, equitable, sustainable, and secure. Learn more at engin.umish.edu/slash
1: research. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org.
0: You know, Kelly, I wonder when you think about the the possibility of of a legal appeal of this, and and the tribes are certainly certainly not alone in voicing that that they'd be interested in pursuing something like that. What are some of the grounds that opponents to Line Five have talked about in prior court cases? I mean, there's there have been arguments over the current operation of Line 5. But do we have much much precedent for the Line 5 discussion, I guess, when we, when we think about the replacement project?
1: I am not aware of any case that would be quite like this. I mean, frankly, we haven't seen what a challenge would look like. But if they were challenging the tunnel itself as opposed to the pipeline, I'm not aware of similar cases. There are legal challenges already in play as it pertains to the current pipeline. Uh, There's one, a tribal challenge by the Bad River Band in Wisconsin, where they have said the pipeline is violating their treaty rights because it passes through uh, their reservation land. That one is still in play, in flux. There's another ongoing legal challenge by Attorney General Dana Nessel, who shortly after taking office moved to shut down the pipeline, arguing that it poses an imminent risk in the straits. And that one has yet to really, you know, reach the point where the parties are uh, debating the case on its merits. They are currently fighting over which court should oversee that case, a federal court or a state court.
0: I was reading some of the remarks that Public Service Commission Chair Dan Scripps made uh, when when this decision was announced. Um, you know, and he was, he was using phrases like, we need to get pipelines out of the Great Lakes, and this is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to your earlier point, the safest way of doing that. Baked into that is the assumption that it really wouldn't be an option to not replace Line 5. Can you say a bit about the case that en- Enbridge has made? That, yes, this replacement needs to happen, and it needs to happen now, not just for safety reasons?
1: So Enbridge says that they, as a company, have a vow to go net zero in the coming decades, but that that transition isn't going to happen overnight. And there is a pressing need for the products that Line 5 delivers, uh, both in Michigan and in Canada, where most of that product goes. Beyond that, Enbridge has just made an argument, you know, a fundamental argument that Michigan has no ability to shut down the pipeline because since it is a cross-border pipeline that, you know, crosses multiple states in Canada, it's regulated by a federal entity here in the U.S. and it's subject to an international treaty with Canada. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that
0: I wouldn't say the federal government has been inactive, but certainly the Canadian and U.S. officials who've been related haven't seemed to be in a huge rush to to just rule out a Line 5 operation altogether or some kind of replacement for it. Where does this leave Enbridge as the project moved forward? What kind of timeline have, they, have company officials been talking about?
1: They've been squishier on their timeline. More recently, because the permitting process continues to extend beyond what Enbridge had originally projected, their initial projection was this would take about four years once construction started to finish the job. Right now, we have the US Army Corps saying that it will not make a decision on whether to grant Enbridge's final permits until early 2026. So if you work forward from that, It may not be until about 2030, if at all, that the project is actually operational.
0: Were there restrictions placed uh, on Enbridge as it goes forward as the PUC made this decision?
1: There were. And one of the most notable is that third party utilities cannot be co located inside of the tunnel without yet another round of approvals from the PSC. And that was initially. One of the big selling points for the tunnel was that this thing will be operational, uh, Enbridge will pay the cost, and eventually Michigan will inherit the infrastructure and could use it for other priorities, like running utility lines between the upper and lower peninsula. And Enbridge had said that even while it was operating the tunnel, it would enter into contracts with third parties that might want to share space in the tunnel. Now the MPSC is saying, we need to review the the potential for that to happen before we're going to grant approval. Enbridge is also going to be subject to sort of additional levels of review over the course of uh, construction to demonstrate to regulators that the project is safe. It feels like there are several policy
0: machines all relevant to Line 5 in motion at once here. I mean, on the one hand, the state's transition to a cleaner energy profile is underway. Enbridge has this stated commitment that it wants to make its operations less dependent on fossil fuels. And yet there appears to be some reluctance from PSC staff and commissioners, to turn away from this petroleum project. Kelly, do you have any insight into this? How is it that these things are all true at the same time?
1: Yes. And again, commissioners in their, um, you know, their public statements before the vote, uh, commissioners made that connection themselves. They said, we know this is going to disappoint some people. We understand that Michigan is in a process to speed up its energy transition, but that's not going to happen overnight. And in the meantime, we need to deal with the clear and present danger. I think there's also political dynamics at play here that commissioners didn't directly refer to, you know, the governor and politicians involved in this don't directly refer to, but they are clearly playing out. The tunnel project is supported by unions, which are, you know, politically powerful in Michigan. They're certainly important to the very same Democratic lawmakers that have also come out against line five. So take the governor, for example. She has been very clear that she wants the existing pipeline out of the water, but she has really shied away from expressing an opinion about the tunnel. And I can't help but notice the, you know, sort of losing political calculus for her if she were to make a statement one way or the other on the tunnel. You know, environmentalists don't want to see it. Labor does want to see it. And both of those are really important um, support groups for her. Right. What kind of restrictions did the PSC place on
0: Enbridge going forward when they said yes to this permit?
1: The passage of clean energy legislation in Michigan is a major change because it's going to push utilities more quickly away from fossil fuels, uh, away from natural gas, away from coal. We have automakers vowing that within a decade or two, they're only going to be selling electric vehicles. Obviously, that reduces the need for petroleum products. But right now, all of those are goals and vows. They aren't the current reality. So I think that is where the struggle comes in for regulators who are making a decision now. Whether or not our legal system would act on tribal treaty arguments remains to be seen because ongoing cases have yet to address that. Um, but certainly a lot is changing. And I think the public reality around climate change is is changing too. We are seeing impacts of the crisis in more tangible ways every day. And for some people that stresses the need to stop, you know, transporting oil via pipeline altogether. But there are still plenty of people who say, look, we need this product and we're gonna need it for a while more now. And a tunnel is better than an aging pipeline in the open water of the streets.
0: Kelly House of Bridge, Michigan. Kelly, thank you so much for your work on this and for taking some time to catch us up. Thanks, April. Just one final note, in full disclosure, Enbridge is a corporate sponsor of Michigan Radio. That's the stateside podcast for today. I'm April Bear. You can find full stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by our podcast editor, Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our interns are Lauren Neong and Olivia Meradian. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for this podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Bye-bye.